0: May the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. On leaving the synagogue, Jesus entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Simon's mother in law lay sick with a fever. They immediately told him about her. He approached, grasped her hand, and helped her up. Then the fever left her, and she waited on them. When it was evening, after sunset, they brought all to him who were ill or possessed by demons. The whole town was gathered at the door. He cured many who were sick with various diseases, and he drove out many demons, not permitting them to speak, because they knew him. Rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. Simon and those who were with him pursued him, and on finding him said, Everyone is looking for you. He told them, Let us go on to the nearby villages that I may preach there also, for this purpose have I come. So he went into their synagogues, preaching and driving out demons throughout the whole of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. Who can understand the human heart? These words spoken by the Lord in the prophet Jeremiah will be a good summary of the experience of what we have in our readings this weekend. The struggle that the human heart has to be able to, uh, to find peace. How we wrestle with so many things internally and externally, always seeking that one ultimate goal, peace. Who can understand the human heart? In the book of Job, we hear Job's frustrations being lent out in voice to the Lord. We know the story of Job, that he was a man who had, uh, he had everything he needed. He had a, a wonderful family. He had faith. He had the things of the world. He had riches, and he had honor and prestige among the people of his community. And then the Lord lets him be basically attacked by the evil one, and he loses everything. Everything is gone. Even his health. They say, if you always have, even if you just have your health, you're good. And he lost even that. He had nothing. And so his, his, his heart was, was basically in a place where he was crying out to the Lord going, I am hopeless. There's nothing to cling to here. The nighttime where you want to sleep and let it pass by quickly, it lingers on. And I can count the minutes and they seem like days. But the days where I want to see, where I can have light, where I can look to the good things of the world and enjoy the things that God has given, it passes quicker than the blink of an eye. I have no happiness, period. This prayer lifted up to the Lord is echoed, we see, in a certain way in the gospel. Of how the people, whenever they hear that Jesus is near, always a large crowd comes. In the gospel today, it's the whole town gathered at the door, is the way it's described. Because these people, each of them, have a longing for peace. Some were plagued and some were you know, you know, frustrated with illness. Maybe there was a struggle with sin. Certainly there were the demons that had attacked some that were causing them great turmoil. But in the end, every single person that came to that door at Simon Peter's house was someone looking for peace. And they knew the place to get it was Christ. If we desire peace, we come to Christ. St. Paul himself knew this in a very profound way, personally as well as ministerially. And it's, that for, and it's for that reason that he writes and he says, I'm free within regards to all of you, but I've made a slave of myself to every one of you so that I can do whatever I need to do To win as many to Christ as possible. So many are looking for peace in this world, and the only place we can find anything resembling that peace that we desire is in Him. So if you need me to be weak, I will be weak. If you need me to be strong, I will be strong. Whatever you need me to do, whoever you need me to be, I will be that that you might be able to come to know Christ. I make my slave, myself, a slave. Whatever you need of me, I will do it that Christ might be able to reign. Those stories are not just things written in the Old Testament or in the early New Testament times. This cry, much like Job, continues to echo today. And there are many who come and seek and knock on any door that they can find that they pray may bring them some peace. I was struck by two articles that I read this week in different online sources. One of which included the note that in the UK... Loneliness has reached such epidemic portions that there is now a person in the government whose title is Minister of Loneliness. There's a person whose job is to try to make people in their country less lonely and to figure out a way to do that in a systemic approach. That's troubling. On the opposite end, we can see this longing, this hunger for something more and that uh, the Ivy College, Yale, recently announced that it would uh, that it would release a new course that they had not done before, and it was a psychology course, and the basic topic was uh, psychology and, and uh, a practical a practical course on how to be happy. A quarter of the student body signed up for it. A quarter. It was the biggest class that they've ever seen in 318 years of the university's existence, the largest registration for a single class. It was so large, in fact, the numbers that they had to reopen their chapel for class use and then have two of the other largest buildings that they had on campus as satellites, simply to be able to have class for the number of students who wanted to gain this knowledge of how to be happy. In the end, whether it's people who are lonely, whether it's people who are longing for happiness, who are longing for something more, looking for that something more, in the end the answer always is Christ. Christ. Whatever way it forms, whatever whatever way we look at it, we long for Jesus. It's written in our hearts. The devil loves to isolate us and to separate us. But that's exactly the reason that the Lord comes and he calls us to be part intentionally of a community. Not to be kind of accidentally, you know, you know by happenstance to be connected to other people. But to be connected to them in an, a profound intimacy. This is the gift of the mystical body of Christ, the church. Then in our baptism, we're baptized into that community. We don't, go, we don't have to go try to find it. We don't have to try to make it up ourselves. We simply have to be willing to be part of it. And as the, as we allow ourselves to be members of the church in Christ. If we allow Christ to dwell in us as he dwells in others. Loneliness will fade. And the happiness that we desire. It can be found. I make no. I have no presumption that. Loneliness doesn't affect our own community. There are not individuals who, if they knew there was a class on happiness, they would be the first one to sign up. They're here. They're in our communities. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's one of you in the pews today. Maybe it's more than one. And the simple reality is that the Lord calls to us and He says, Come. Come follow me. Whatever that thing is that just won't go away within the heart, I can handle that. And he desires to, he longs to. That's why he came and took on our flesh and died for us. Is to be able to bring us to that place where there's no more want, there's no more longing, there's no more sorrow, no more suffering. He came to bring us to heaven. And so my invitation to you is to trust in the Lord and to trust in this community. Lent is just about 10 days away now, Ash Wednesday falls, what great joy, on Valentine's Day this year. I know everyone's super excited about that. You can give each other sweet chocolates and you can enjoy them on Thursday. It's always better to wait anyway, huh? But as part of the Lenten season, we know that there are three special practices the church encourages us To be able to do to pray to give alms and to fast it's a normal thing for us as lent gets closer and closer for us to you know ash wednesday draws near for us to start thinking what am i going to do this year what am i going to give up you know what am i going to what am i maybe what am i going to do extra this year whatever the question may be and if you're in that place or if you're not in that place i would invite you don't try to find an answer because if you're willing i will give you an answer I would invite each of you to follow a program for our parish to be able to draw closer to Jesus and to one another this year. I would invite you first to fast from doing your will. It's easy when we do things our way, fasting can become incredibly easy. One time in seminary, I fasted from cigarettes for the whole of Lent, no matter the fact that I don't smoke. Made it easy. But to be able to fast from doing your will. And in that fasting, I would invite you to give alms. The alms that I would invite you to give this year will be three hours of your time each week given to Christ and his church. Time is our most precious commodity these days. It's the thing that we all value the most, and it's the thing that oftentimes we seem like we have the least. But I would invite you to give of yourself three hours of the 168 or so. The Lord gives to us each week, to Christ and His church. And I want to invite you lastly to pray, to pray daily. And we'll talk about more of that in in depth next weekend. But this is my invitation, for you to pass from your will to give alms in the form of three hours of your week to Christ and his church and to pray daily. For those of you who have the bulletin, you may notice the bulletin, you may notice that there is a little extra piece of paper in there this week. And it's not the, just the calendar of events for the month. So if you want to pull it out, you're welcome to. And this is the almsgiving that I would like to ask of you for the Lenten season this year. As you see, the top in red is Lent, a call to discipleship. I believe the Lord is continuing to call every single one of us, not just a handful, not just, not just this group or that group. Every single one of us in the parish He's calling us to come closer. Period, And so we try to respond. There are three separate events that I would invite you to take part in through the course of the Lenten season. The first would be the visitation of the Pilgrim Statue of Our Lady of Fatima. Now, I know that there was a bus that came through this week and had Fatima on it and they were, you know, had their had their music playing and they had a statue to to pray with and things to sell, but this is not the group that's coming. The group that's coming is a group that's not here to sell you anything. They're not here to get your name signed up on a bulletin list. They're not here to try to send you uh, mailers in the mail to be able to, you know, hit you up every few weeks or so to send money to support their mission or whatever. Literally this this pilgrim statue is is a separate thing entirely. That this statue comes and they go from parish to parish to parish, and they've been doing so for, I think, 45 years. And they have one task to pray. Period. They bring the statue to the parish and they have uh, an evening of prayer, a day of prayer, whatever the case may be. They spread the message of Fatima to talk about why we're there, what the purpose of it is, and then simply to pray. You'll see on the Thursday, February the 15th, we have a night of prayer at St. Anne. So that's the day after Ash Wednesday. So in the evening time, the statue will arrive in the afternoon at the parish, and we'll have 5 o'clock Mass in the evening, our normal Thursday evening Mass. After that, we'll have a brief a brief kind of exposition of the message of Fatima. Mr. Patrick Savat, who is the custodian who travels with and cares for and sets up the programs for the statue in parishes, uh, he basically travels with a statue to be able to talk about what is Our Lady of Fatima, what is the message that she came to bring, and why, 101 years later, are we continuing to hear this message? What's it's important for us today? So we'll have that brief message that, that Mr. Sabat will preach to us. And then at 6 o'clock, we'll have a rosary and a litany to our Blessed Mother. And then from 6.30 to 10 p.m., we'll simply have the statue in the sanctuary available for anyone to rest and to pray. On Friday, we'll have the normal Lenten schedule. We'll resume, we'll we'll begin on Friday the 16th, 7 a.m. Mass. as normal on Fridays. We'll have Adoration of the Blessed Sacrament from 7.30 a.m. until 6 p.m. Confessions from 5 to 6, and we do have a typo there. The Way of the Cross in closing is at 6 p.m., not 6.30. I apologize for that. But in addition to our Lord being present on the altar in the Blessed Sacrament, the statue of Our Lady of Fatima will also remain there in the sanctuary with us all day Friday through the course of the day and then up until the closing prayers at the end of the time of reconciliation and um, beginning of benediction. The purpose of this is basically to recognize that Our Lady never seeks to do anything for herself, but always seeks to point us to Jesus That the first miracle that our Lord worked was at the request of our Blessed Mother. That whenever the disciples came to her, it was always she pointed to him and said, Do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Follow Christ. So we begin our Lent with this hearing the voice of Our Lady calling us to do what Christ speaks. The first week of Lent, we will have our Lenten mission this year. Father Vincent Bressawar, a classmate of mine, a priest from the Diocese of Birmingham, Alabama, will be coming to preach two two-night missions, uh, two nights in English, two nights in Spanish. So uh, our Hispanic uh, members of our parish will have uh, the opportunity uh, for that as well. So it'll be the same, the same content, Monday and Tuesday in English, with confessions available Tuesday evening. That will act as our, our Lenten um, night of penance. And then Wednesday and Thursday will be the same mission and confessions available again in Spanish on that night. So I invite you to come. On the back part it's the thing where it starts to get fun. Because this is where I ask a little bit more commitment of you. Because it's one thing to go and simply pray with the Blessed Mother and to spend time with our Lord in the Eucharist. It's another to go and simply hear someone preach to us where we can sit and kind of... You know, hear, hear, hear whatever they're saying and, you know, see how it applies to our life. But those are just the first steps that might be able to prepare us to go a bit deeper. And this is where this last piece comes in Discipleship Groups, a retreat with Father John Ricardo. Now, this is the Bible study that, uh, that we did here uh, back last summer, and we also did it in, in Advent uh, at St. Anne. Um, but it's of such great importance that I would like to promote it for the whole parish. And I recognize that whenever we have events and it's just a one, a one day a week thing, it's on Tuesday nights or it's on Thursday nights or whatever the case may be, that sometimes those nights don't work. And so, as you may see there, we'll be showing each session six times a week. We'll be showing them in successive weeks on Sundays at 4.30 p.m. at St. Anne in the Religious Head Building. Mondays at 6.30 p.m. here at St. Vincent in the Hall, Tuesdays at 9.30 at St. Anne in the Religious Ed Building, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. at St. Anne in the Religious Ed Building, Thursdays at 9.30 a.m. here at St. Vincent in the Hall, and Saturdays at 10 a.m. at St. Anne in the Religious Ed Building. So basically, if you don't like nights, we've got days. If you don't like days, we've got nights. If you don't like weekends, we've got weekdays. If you don't like weekdays, we've got weekends. You're welcome. You have no excuse not to show up. I look forward to seeing you there. Well, I just about it, also there's a seriousness to it. that We're trying to go above and beyond, much like St. Paul who says, whatever you need me to do, I will do, so that you might be able to come to know Christ Jesus. This is how it looks in our parish this weekend. Whatever we can do to allow so many to come to know Christ even more deeply, we will do. The videos are phenomenal. I watched them once myself and then... uh, Honestly, I look forward to going back to them again. Some of the things that he said, I'm still chewing on. Some of the recommendations he made, I'm still practicing and trying to put into practice even more so uh, in my own life. So for myself, it's still enriching me uh, months down the line. Uh, And so even if you've attended before, I would certainly encourage you to attend again. I don't think I have to push too much because those of you who have attended Pretty much everyone said it was incredible and they would be happy to do it again. So this will be my encouragement to you. So we've got session one, session two, session three, session four, and session five in this schedule down there. And they'll be broken out on the the parish schedule that we present um, each, each week for the first Sunday of the month. We'll have all of that in there as well. And so again, it's an invitation for us to come and to draw close to our Lord. And the reason I say all of this is because it is my firm conviction that the Lord is doing something in our midst. Sometimes I get the sense from people who look around us, to look around in the pews, to look around the community, and they say, Father, I'm worried about the future of our parish. If I could count the number of times that I have heard that, we wouldn't need to take collections on Sunday had a dollar for every time I've heard that, we'd be set, y'all. I recognize there is a concern about our parish, that it seems like, where are people going? Church used to be full. But I would invite you to recognize that in this, it is a time for us to grow, and the Lord is calling us to grow. There is much work to be done in the vineyard, and the first place that it has to happen is in our own hearts the first place of change is me. Every one of us. To draw closer to Jesus and to be willing to be his disciples. Not just to be Catholics, not just to be Christians, not just to be believers in Jesus, but people whose lives are changed by Jesus Christ. And as our lives are changed, change happens to others as well. To so all of those who express concern and have concern about the future of the parish, I respond that there is also great reason to hope. There are an incredible number of things, large and small, that are happening, maybe unknown to you, that are happening in our parish, that for me are signs of growth and a life. One time when I was in my previous assignment, I decided to take up gardening. It was because we had, uh, we had a, a, a courtyard that was sitting right in front of our table where we would dine at meals. And I got tired of looking at a courtyard that was honestly pretty atrocious. It was full of weeds and wasn't very pretty. Everything was kind of overgrown. So I said, I'm going to learn how to do this because I want to look at pretty things when I eat lunch. And so we went out and you know got everything set up. And we ended up moving some plants from one place to another to reorganize things. And I got really frustrated because all the plants that were moved... It looked like they died (laughs) and I said all this work and I got a bunch of sticks here on this (laughs) stick sticking out of the ground and I was rather frustrated all the leaves were were just falling apart and looked, it looked dead or dying at least to me. But then I brought somebody out there, and I was just kind of showing them the courtyard, showing them what we were doing. And I, and I said, you know, walked over to these plants that were looking rather pitiful. And I said, I, I'm pretty sure we're about to lose these, and we're going to have to pull them up. So if you have any ideas on what we could put, let me know. And they said, Father, it's not dying. It's okay. It, it had a little shock, but it's growing. I said, how, how do you figure? And they said, look closely. And they started to point out little, little buds <laughs> on many Of the limbs, and they said, Father, this one's going to be fine. And I would say the same to you. We're fine. The things are good if we allow the Lord to come and to grow in us. But it takes a willingness to grow, which sometimes means hurts, changes, pains. But if we allow ourselves to be immersed in Christ, all will be for the good. The story of Job sounds like a rather frustrating one. We end on the note of, I have no happiness. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. (laughs) One of those great things where you just kind of wonder, who thought that was a great line to end on? But if we look at the story of Job and continue to listen to his words, we know that Job stays with the Lord and he continues to trust. Despite what he seems as having no hope, no faith, no anything, he continues to trust in God. And the last condition of Job was far better than the first. All the things that Job lost, he gained once again exponentially. Everything was over and above anything he could have even imagined. It was because he was faithful to Christ. He's faithful to the Lord who invited him. Trust. Trust and follow me. So my invitation to you is the same. Trust in the Lord, follow after him, seek his voice, knock at his door, submit yourself to him, be a member of this community and be a joyful one, a committed one, a disciple of Christ, beloved of God.